welcome to Nextville Church, yeah. Man, we are so glad you guys are here for Feeding Fort Myers weekend. Like the guy said, this is so amazing. We have been doing Feeding Fort Myers for the last five years, and we were actually talking a little bit before the service about all the cans that we have collected over the last five years, and we, as we came up with the numbers, over the last five years as a church, we have collected over 100,000 cans to help feed Fort Myers and Southwest Florida. Isn't that awesome? So, so this weekend, it's going to be amazing, and we are just so excited about what, um, what God is doing, and we're excited about teaming up with the Orange River, especially in light of what we feel like God is calling us to do there this year. We are teaming up with that school in some different ways, and we believe that through Feeding Fort Myers and what's happening this weekend, and because so many of you brought cans, and because of what that's going to do, it's going to give us credibility and a voice with some of the students who are there, and we're excited about speaking life and hope and truth to them this year, and we're excited about being able to invest in their lives and this This gives us a voice and an opportunity to do just that with them. So we're so excited about this next year, teaming up with that school. And we just, Feeding Fort Myers is one of those things that over the last five years, we talk about as it comes up every year, are we going to do it this year or are we not? And every year we're like, we just love it. It is one of the most amazing things, not only because we get to bring cans in, we also, it gives us the opportunity to meet neighbors and start conversations with coworkers. Uh, and I know for me, I've done a Feeding Fort Myers party every year that we've done Feeding Fort Myers. And uh, we actually did one, uh, we teamed up with some of our neighbors who go to Next Level, and we did one last Saturday. So we did one a week ago. So these are three of the cans from that party. And these may be, and I may be wrong, these may be like the first cans donated this year. Like that was like, like this is where it began right here, these three cans. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I love being able to, to meet neighbors and do all that. But, you know, one of the interesting things that I find that whenever we do a Feeding Fort Myers party is you always have that neighbor that brings three cans who kind of comes and not only do they bring their cans, but they kind of apologize when they bring them. And they bring them and they go, oh, hey, sorry, like I didn't get to go to the store, or I'm sorry I didn't, couldn't bring more. And they kind of have this apologetic, I'm sorry that I'm helping you. You know what I mean? Like, you get, like this, this feeling of, I'm sorry I'm doing this. And they kind of have this feeling, and I think the reason why they have this, because I understand this, they go, they're, they're apologizing because they're not sure that the little amount that they give is actually going to make any sort of a big difference. And they have this feeling of, yeah, we're going to give cans because we feel like we should be a good neighbor and do all that. But I'm not sure the little amount that we have to give is going to make a big difference. This is the same way for me that I feel around Christmas time. Because when I go to the store around Christmas time, there's always tends to be someone sitting at the door ringing a bell with a little tin can thing that you can put money in for Salvation Army or for whatever. And, and for me, I kind of have the policy that if I have any money on me, I'll give a little bit in, in the bucket. That's kind of what I have. But I don't know about you. When I do that, I feel this need to hide what I'm going to give them. Like I, like, like, I don't know any other environment where I crunch up the money and fold up the money, and it's usually just a dollar bill. And, and, and like, I just kind of put it in there, and it's kind of they don't make eye contact with them. I'm not real sure what it is. Like it, it is the weirdest thing in the world. And I think part of it is because there's this feeling, well, part of it's because there's this feeling of if someone puts a $20 bill in there and I'm putting a dollar bill in, they probably don't know who's who, so they're going to give me the credit for it. But there's also, not really, but there's also another side of, I'm not sure I'm, like, I'm going to give you a dollar when I walk in. I'm not going to give you change, though, because if I put change in your bucket, you will look down on me because it will make noise. So I'm going to give you a dollar when I walk in, but I'm not real sure that I'm making a big difference. I'm not entirely positive and confident that I'm actually making a large difference because I am giving such a little amount. And I think we all struggle with this on some level. 
I mean, we drive off the interstate, and there's always, you know, there's people that tend to stand on the corners, and they have their sign, kind of a, we'll work for food, or I need money, help me buy dinner, whatever, you know, whatever their, their sign says. And for a lot of us, we see those people, and even though we may have a dollar, or we may have two dollars, like, we just kind of don't say anything to them, or we don't give money to them, because there's this feeling of, I can give them a dollar, but I'm not sure it's really going to help them anyways. I, I can give them a little bit of money, but I'm not sure it's actually going to do anything. And if we felt like the $5 that we gave them was going to actually help them get out of homelessness and actually get what they needed in order to start a new life, we'd all give it. We just don't feel like it will. And we have this feeling and this thought of, can my little that I have to give really make a big difference? Am I really going to make a big difference? And, and, and that's kind of how we approach it. We also approach it with our time. Like we think, about, we, we think about helping people with our time, and we're just not sure. And around Next Level, one of the things that we encourage you to do is to serve. That serve one and attend one. So come to two services, serve a service, attend a service. And for some of us, we have this feeling of, can really one hour with a kid a week, is that really going to do something? One hour with a kid, is that really going to affect someone? Standing at the front door and greeting people as they walk in, is that really going to have an effect on people? Like am I really going to make a big difference? And so we have this feeling with our time and our money and what we have and the, the things we have to offer and this feeling of, I'm not sure I can make a big difference. And what we do is instead of giving the little bit that we have, we tend to, when we don't feel like we can make a big difference, we just choose not to participate. And we just say, you know what, I don't think I can actually bring about any large change, so I'm just going to step out. And I'm just going to step back, and instead of actually giving what I have to give, I am going to go, to go ahead and not give anything. Because if we don't feel like we can make an impact, or we don't feel like we have enough to give, or we feel like we have too little, we don't feel like we can bring about big change. But here's, here's the, the, the funny thing. Here's what my neighbors don't realize. When my neighbors come and they give three cans and they apologize, what my neighbors don't realize is that this weekend is going to be huge. They don't realize this weekend's going to be amazing. They don't realize their three cans may look small to them, but their three cans are going to be brought to all of us and all the cans that we bring, and their three cans are going to be multiplied, and there are going to be children and families throughout this year whose lot, who are fed, who are hungry, that are fed this year because they are a part of something greater. And that God will use the little that they chose to give to multiply and actually do more than they could ever Imagine. And that is the same with us. And that's where I want to land this weekend. Is that, is that, and here's kind of the main point we're going to land on. That God can do more with the little than we could do with the lot. That God can do more with the little that we have than we could do with the lot. That God has the ability to do more with the little that we offer than we could possibly imagine. That your little and my little and our little plus God can equal great things. And in the same way that our few cans will multiply into thousands this weekend, God can multiply your little and my little uh, that we decide to give to make a huge impact in the lives of those around us. And if you're here and if you've ever struggled with this feeling of, I'm not sure that God can use me, or I'm not sure that God has a plan for me, or I'm not sure that God can use me in this specific area, or I'm not sure there's really any bigger picture thing in my life that I need to be a part of, if you've ever struggled with that or had that feeling, I'm just telling you, I am really, really glad you're here. 
If you've ever felt like your past is too bad or your present is too bad or or things in your past have been too bad or you've been abused or hurt and you just kind of look at what's going on, you go, I'm not sure I can do it and my finances aren't where they need to be, my life isn't where it needs to be. If you ever feel like you have been disqualified from doing what God has called you to do and if you've ever felt like I'm not sure God can use someone like me in my circumstance, in my situation, I believe that God would say to you today and has you here today so he would say to you, that God wants to use the little that you have, even though it's just a little bit, to do great things. And he has a plan for you regardless of the stage of life that you find yourself in today. That God wants to use the little, and God will do more with the little than we could ever do with a lot. And the reason, why, the reason why I think this is such an important message and such an important principle to get and such an important concept to get, because this concept is something that is applied to my life. This is something for me that has absolutely applied to my life. I grew up in a home with an alcoholic father and, and an abusive home. And I was kind of raised to be that. You know, if you grow up in a home like that, you were kind of raised to be that because that's what you were taught. And by yourself and by your own, you will be become the, the, the product of what you were raised in. And I know for me, I kind of grew up that way. And I started drinking. I started being abusive. I started uh, doing drugs. Like I started going down a road where I was heading in a direction that was going to repeat the way I was raised. And I got to a place where someone introduced me to Jesus. And I walked into a church environment. And, and, I, and I crossed the line and said, okay, God, I'm a mess. And there's only about this much good in me. But this little is yours. And I'm not sure you can work in me, and I'm not sure you can move in me, and I'm not sure what you can do in me, but this little, I'm going to give to you. And I'm just going to lay it at your feet, and I'm going to allow you and say, God, if you can use me, use me. And over the last 15 years, God has delivered me from unhealth and abusive, uh, uh, an abusive situation. He's delivered me from alcohol and addiction and has brought me to a place of health and life and a place where I'm in a marriage that I love. I'm with the kids that I love and I'm a pastor at a church. There, hold on, oh, hold on, hold on. There, don't clap yet. There are people right now that if they knew, if they knew that I was talking to you, <laughs> they would be worried about you, okay? They would be worried for you because there are people in my past who would be worried about that because they knew who I was. I was talking to a lady who uh, this week, she's known me since really since I first became a Christian. And we, she, she lives down here and we were, we were meeting together and she said, if you understood or, or if people understood where you were versus where you are, they would see a miracle. And it's true. Because where I was versus where I am, it is miraculous. But listen, listen, listen. I believe that same thing is what God wants to do in you. I believe the same thing that God has done in my life is the same thing that God wants to do in your life. And even though you may feel like, I'm not sure he can move like that in me and through me and with me, I believe that God would say, it just takes a little. It just takes a little. So what I, what I want to do today is I want to talk through what our responsibility is with the little that we have in our lives. Because we all have a certain responsibility with what we have, and what is our responsibility with a little? We're going to look in, uh, look in a story um, in, in 2 Kings chapter 4. So you can turn there, or you can go to YouVersion. YouVersion, they have notes for, uh, if you search a live event, you can actually find the notes there. But 2 Kings chapter 4, and where we pick up is actually there's a lady there, and she is a widow. 
She is the widow of a prophet. She was married to a prophet, and the prophet dies, and she finds herself a widow. Now, in those days, widows were people who ended up getting taken advantage of pretty seriously. Because, because the man at the time was the provider. He was the one who would take care of them. And when the man passed away, essentially the woman was left and she was left on her own. People would take advantage of her physically, financially, in every different situation. She was kind of left to her own and people just ignored her. And that's where she finds herself. She finds herself a widow of a prophet and, and a, a situation's about to happen that's about to mess her up. So she decides, I'm going to go to the head prophet or basically the main prophet, the most powerful prophet of the day. I'm going to go talk to Elisha. And Elisha was, he, he essentially at one point was Elijah's right-hand man. But when Elijah went away, Elisha rose up and became the leader of the prophets in their area. So in, in verse 1, she goes to him and she says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. She said, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. So in other words, she goes to Elisha and she says, hey, there's a guy who's coming, a creditor who's coming, and she's gonna take my, he's going to take my two boys. He's going to make them slaves because this creditor realizes they owe me money, and the only thing that's going to be able to pay off the debt that they have is if I take the two sons because that's going to be the thing of major value to them. So I'm going to take the two boys, make them, my sla- make them, make them slaves, and they're going to work off the debt, and essentially they're going to be in slavery for the rest of their lives. So she says that to Elisha. And then Elisha replies to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And look what she says right here. She says, your servant has nothing there at all. Your servant has nothing there at all. Now, that's not true. She had things in her house. She had furniture in her house. And we'll see later, she actually had some things in her house. The issue was not that she did not have anything of value in her house. The issue was, or the issue was that she did not value what was there. And that she looked at everything in her house and said, I don't have anything. No, no, no. She didn't value the things that were there. And for so many times, this is how we respond as well. That if we were to say, what can you do? What are your talents? What are your abilities? What are your skills? What are your passions? What are, your, what are you excited about? What are your dreams? I don't have anything. And there's nothing good in here. And there's nothing that God can use in here. And there's nothing that God wants to use in me. And maybe someone has told us in our past that you're not good enough or told us that maybe we're not smart enough, we're, we're, we're just stupid. Maybe they've told us we don't have a destiny, we don't have a future. Maybe someone spoke something to us and every time we think of a dream or think of an idea or think of what if God could, those voices come in our head. And they make us feel the same way that she felt. There's nothing good in the house. And there's nothing of value inside. That goes on. He says, he says, how can I help you? Tell me what to do. Uh, tell me what do you have in your house. Your servant has nothing here at all. And then she says this, except a little oil. Except a little oil. And I think this is so important to understand because she says we don't have any value at all except a little oil. And I think so many times in our lives we look at what we have and we go, I don't really have enough. I don't really have what I need. I just have a little. I don't have the intelligence. I just have a little. I'm not really good enough. I'm just a little. I'm not sure that this marriage can make it because there's just this much of it. It's just on the edge. I'm not sure it's going to make it. I'm not sure that I can do it. I'm not sure I can go through college. I'm just, I'm on the edge. I'm on the edge of my life. And I'm not sure that God can do this. 
Because if he's going to do it, there's such a small amount for him to work with. There's such a small amount for him to do anything. So we look at the small amount and we think God can't do anything. But I would challenge us and say, I believe that when there is only just a little for him to work with, I think we look at it and go, he can't use it because it's too little. I think he looks at it and goes, no, 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 you don't understand. When it's so little, that's exactly the right amount for me to work with. Because when it's a little, then when God moves in that little and actually makes something happen with that little, people look back and go, look at God. And they don't go, look how awesome he is. Look how awesome she is. They go, there's something going on in that person's life. And I I believe that when we get in that environment where, where we just have a little left, we're just on the edge, we're just on the brink, we're just barely there. I believe it is in that moment, in that time, in that situation that God is going, okay, Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. Because I think what he wants to do so much in those situations is not to allow us to just just go away. I believe in those situations, God wants to intervene and use the little we have and go, watch. And I think sometimes when we have so much and we have so much talent, so much money, so much stuff, so much life, so much whatever we need, I think we just don't depend on God. But it is in that little that we give that to God and we watch him move and we stand back and go, Wow. And the people around us look back and go, wow, I believe that if you've, if you've come in here today and you find yourself in a situation where you would say, I just have a little, I believe that's exactly the right environment for God to move in your life. I think that's huge. So I think for us, I think the reason why this is so important and this is huge is because if we can see little the way God sees little, we will go from a place of seeing little as something as a way that we're just, uh, we, we, we will see little, we will change from seeing little as something that's just uh, ineffective and not there, and we will start to see little with an expectancy and start to go, okay, God, I'm ready, God, I'm ready. I think that he moves in the little places of our lives when we give those little things to him. So what is our responsibility with a little. In verse 3, it actually talks about our responsibility with a little and what we're supposed to do with a little. It goes on from the story. So she says, I don't have anything in my house. I just have a little oil. Then in verse 3, Elisha says, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. The first thing, the first principle of our responsibility of a little, our first thing we're supposed to do with our responsibility with a little is don't obey halfway. He says, don't ask for just a few. Don't obey halfway. When our church first started, uh, I was a part of the, the team that launched the church uh, uh, 11 years ago. May 12th of 2002 is when we launched the church, and it was Mother's Day. And so we basically said, okay, we all have to have a different kind of service, so we have to make sure, or not a different kind, but we have to make sure service happens. So Pastor Matt and his wife Sarah, they led worship. It was awesome. Uh, and, and we had, like, different things. I was a greeter out front, but not only was I a greeter, I was also the person in charge of our kids' ministry, which... If you know me, that's scary, but I was in charge at the time. So I'm like, all right, I'm in charge of our kids' ministry, so I had to come up with a craft. So I decided I am going to do, because it's Mother's Day, a Mother's Day craft with our kids, and the mothers are going to love it, and the kids are going to love it, and they're going to come back. It's going to be amazing. So I made 50 crafts, because I'm thinking there's going to be like 300 people here at the church. Like there are some, I'm like, this is going to happen. God is going to move. It's going to be absolutely amazing. And there was one kid. I've got 50 hearts, they were cool and amazing and life-changing, and this mom got blessed because there's only one kid. 
And I, and I remember kind of walking away because I'm thinking there are going to be tons of people and just all kinds and 300. It's going to be amazing. We're going to pack out our auditorium. We had 35 people there that weekend. We had one kid and we hung out. And there's that feeling afterwards of like, man, I really overprepared. But listen, I think that when we obey God with the little that we have, I believe it's okay to obey to a point that looks a little bit ridiculous. I think it's okay to, to obey to such a degree that people look on and go, man, you're really overpreparing right now. I think that's okay because I think that when we do that, we don't just obey halfway. We obey with everything and say, okay, God, we are going to obey because we think you have called us to do this or you have asked us to do this. So I'm going to try to obey as much as I possibly can and do what you have asked us to do and do, do what you've asked me to do. And I think we should obey in that way. But here's what we tend to do. We see the little that we have. And we just go halfway. And we, we think God is asking us, you've got to work on your marriage. But God, there's only this much left. I mean, it's not even like, it's just this much left. Try to work on it. And we go halfway. And we bring up a half-hearted conversation about a counselor or what should we do or a connection group. And you guys get into it and then you just let it die. Or we feel like God has spoken to us and said, hey, you've got to get your finances in order. And we kind of like buy quicken but we don't really do anything with Quicken, and we don't do anything with the budgeting software. Or we feel like God has told us, hey, physically, man, you gotta, you got to engage in this area. And we wake up once, and that's about it. Or, or we need a relationship with Jesus, and so we feel like that we need to spend some one-on-one -on -one time with him. And we do it one day, and we kind of do it the next day, and by the fifth day, it's all gone. And we obey halfway. And the reason why I think this is important, especially when we give him the little that we have, is because so oftentimes if we obey halfway, we will only go halfway into the process. And then when it doesn't work, you know who we blame? God. And we go, God, we tried. And I think a lot of times God gets a bad rep because you went halfway. And I know that's true for me. I think that if we are going to see God move in the little things in our lives, it will be because we obey all the way. We, we, we can't be, obey halfway. We have to obey all the way. So the question for us is, where is God telling us to obey, but we're only doing it halfway? What area of our lives right now do we know that he's told us to obey? We're just half-hearted and going halfway. The story continues on in verse 4. So she goes and she gets all the jars. And Verse 4, then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. And then she left him, so she left, leaves Elisha, and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. She kept pouring. Jar after jar after jar. With a little bit of oil, the jars kept filling up. The second principle in the story is that obedience invites multiplication. And obedience invites multiplication. When we obey, it invites multiplication in our lives. I have two sons. I have a five-year-old uh, son named Karsten. I have a three-year-old named Bryden. And uh, Karsten, when we had to potty train him, he was a little bit competitive. And so we had to kind of put some games to it and stuff. But potty training wasn't that big of a deal. My three-year-old, he's not down for potty training. 
Like he's three and a half. Like I like he's he may be in kindergarten and still struggling with this. Like so he's like like he's still in it. And so his parents, you know, his parents, you like wrestle with that a little bit, and you're trying to figure it out. And so and so uh, and, and he just doesn't care. Like it's no big deal. To, seriously, he'll like be standing there looking at you, talking to you, and just go potty in the pants. Like he doesn't. He's like, what's up? He doesn't even care if his friends are around. He'll be talking. Hey, ladies, what's up? <laughs> Wetness. I'm like, dude, there are girls around. Come on. Like, get, if you're going to get their number, you cannot. That does not work. I'm telling you, hey, later in life, you got to figure this one out. Like, he, like he, just, he just doesn't care. He's, it's like no big deal to him. It does, like, seriously, if he's drank a lot of juice, don't hold him. Okay? I'm just telling you, if you serve in our kids' ministry, that's good to remember. I'm just saying, like, he just not, he just doesn't care. Like, he's seriously, like, he, and we're like, you got to go potty? No. As he's going, pop, like it just doesn't even matter. So we we're trying to come up, you know, you try to come up with the games and these tricks, and that and that doesn't this frustrate you if your parents or someone who's like young, you always have this like year and a half phenom who's like wearing underpants and flaunting it and walking around, and you're like, I'm gonna beat your dad up, like they're like, come on, like that's like frustrating, right? Because you have those kids who are like doing it, and you're just this frustrated. So we decided, you know what we're gonna do? We we're gonna set up some rewards. Because that's a good idea. And so we said, you said, if you go on the potty and we make you, you're going to get one jelly bean. But if you go on the potty by yourself, dose. <laughs> Two jelly beans for you. And so every time he goes on himself, and again, he's, he's, he, we're figuring it out, he goes, he goes potty by himself. He gets two jelly beans. You know Why? Because obedience invites <laughs> multiplication. <laughs> Nailed it. You guys understand that now, right? So Luke 16 10 actually says, he says, Luke 16 10, it says, whoever can be trusted with little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with a little will be dishonest with much. And, and, and all that to say, that when we are trustworthy with a little, when we are doing what we need to do with a little, when we are obedient with a little, it invites God to give more. And what we tend to do, and this is kind of a weird dichotomy, we go, God, when you give me more, then I will do it. But God would say, no, 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 you do it before I give you more. Because if I give you more, you're going to handle more like you handle less, and you don't handle less very well. And so as long as you continue to handle less that way, why would I ever give you more? But when we're obedient, it invites multiplication. So uh, it invites multiplication. It goes on in verse 6. It says, when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. The oil stopped flowing. The third point is God will not provide more than we prepare for. God will not provide more than we prepare for. I, I, I think of, when I think about that and, and us preparing for what, or, or him providing for what we prepare for, that really is why we're going east to Gateway. That's why we're actually going in that direction. Because we believe that what God wants to do in Southwest Florida and what God wants to do through Next Level, it is a move of God. We believe that God wants to reach out to people who are far from him, those who are de-churched, uh, disconnected, who are hurting, who are broken, even some people who just need their faith re-energized. We believe that God wants to use Next Level throughout our community to completely uh, move in there and, and for God to move in such amazing lives in their hearts and their lives. But here's the thing about where we're at right now, we're full. 
And there are some seats that are open, but honestly, we're packed on the weekends. And for us, we have this feeling and this understanding of we continue to go, God, we want more opportunity to reach out to, to all of our friends and coworkers and family members who are hurting and broken. But we're running out of space. And so we know that God will not provide more than we prepare for. And so for us, when we went to Gateway, that was a decision. We are going to prepare for that, and we're going to prepare for God to continue to move. And for some of you, you're actually listening to a video service right now. The reason for that is we just kept running out of space, had to open up a service, running out of space, open up a service, running out of space, open up a service. And we got to a place where we're like, all right, we can't, we can't keep talking all these, we got to figure something else out. And that's why we're moving to Gateway, because we feel like as a church, there's a responsibility to prepare for what we want God to provide for. And that's true for us as well. And our question is, what is the dream that God has put, in it, put into your heart, and are you preparing for what you want him to provide for? What is the dream? If you're single, is a dream to find that person? Let me ask you this. Are you preparing to meet them? Are, are you, and here's a, here, here's a quote that I, that I recently read, are you the person that the one you're looking for is looking for? Are you dealing with your junk right now? Do you have habits right now? Are you actually, are actually staring them down and working through them? Do you dream one day of opening a business? Are you reading the books? Are you talking to the people? Are you listening to the podcast? Are you preparing to do that? Do you want to have a great family? Are you reading books? Are you talking to other parents? Are you joining a connection group that are actually doing that? Are you preparing for the dream that God has put in your heart? Or are you just waiting for him to miraculously move without you doing any of the work? We have to prepare because when we prepare, then God has the ability to provide. Then in verse 7, it says, she went, she went and told the man of God. So after this happened, and to get all this oil, she goes and tells the man of God. She's like, this is crazy. All the, all the jars are full. There's oil. And so she goes and tells him. And then he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You, listen, listen to this phrase, and it's going to be tough for us to really get this. You and your sons can live on what is left. The fourth point is this. God can use your little to change realities. And her sons were destined to a life of slavery. Her sons were going to be slaves forever, and they would wonder forever where God was because their dad died, and then a creditor came, he took them, and he actually put them in slavery. They were going to wonder forever where the love and the grace of Jesus was, but because she was willing, the widow was willing to allow her little to be used, it actually invited God into the situation. He multiplied what she had, and those kids forever's lives would be changed. They would never from that day forward ever question where was God in that moment because God moved in that moment. And when we offer up our little to what he wants to do, we also invite God into our situation, and we invite God to move in us and move through us. And when he does that, he will change the realities of the people around us. And let me just say this. There are people right now who need your little. They need it. They need it. They need you. There, there, there are kids and teenagers who every single week they come into this church. And they need people that they can come to and talk to and interact with that they feel like actually care about them and love them. They need you. They need you. They need the little. I'm not sure if I'm qualified. Perfect. I'm not sure if I can. Perfect. They need you. There are people every single week that are coming into this environment, and they're, just, they're not real sure what God thinks about them. We need you to stand at the door. We need you to be a part of this process. We need you to create the friendliest environment they've ever experienced. But I don't really know. Perfect. 
That's the exact situation to be in. And you know what? We actually have a unique opportunity this week because if you're a follower of Jesus, this week, Easter week, is kind of a huge week because this is like the week when everybody comes to church. You know, there, there are over 600,000 people in Southwest Florida, and only about a sixth of them, it, not even that, go to church on a regular basis. And there have been all kinds of surveys and studies that have been, that have been done that basically would say that over half of the people who don't go to church, if they were asked by someone close to them or someone they know, they would come. So I think the responsibility for us is to ask this week. And you go, ah, I don't really know that I know them very well. I just know them a little. Perfect. Because think about this. Since you walked into an environment like this and your life was changed and Jesus moved in your life, since you walked into an environment and you started a relationship with Jesus, since you walked into a place like this and God moved in your heart, isn't it amazing what he's done? God wants to use that, what he's done in you, to do that in the people around you as well. So if you've not thought about that, let me just ask you this. Who are you going to invite this week? Grab some invites on the information center, I'm telling you. God wants to use you because their realities can be changed by you simply inviting them to church. Let me just say this. God can do more with a little than we could ever do with a lot. And, and my neighbors brought in three cans and they said, I'm not sure if this is going to help. I'm not sure if it's going to do it. But this weekend, these cans are going to multiply to over 10,000 to what these three are. Or 10,000 cans already and even beyond. Aren't you glad they brought them? Aren't you, aren't you glad that they decided that they're going to use their little and they're going to give it to God and say, God, if you can use my little, get, use my little. What if we were to do that as well? What is the little that you need to give to God today so that he begin to use you to work in you and to work through you? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the little. God, we know that is the perfect environment for you to move, and so Jesus, we invite you. We invite you to move in our little. We invite you to move the little places of our lives. We invite you to move in that little space and God, we give it to you. And Lord, there's some of us, we came in and we're struggling. We're having a hard time and we're not sure you can use us. We're not sure you can move in us. We're not sure you can move with us. And we just feel like we just have very, very little to offer. So God, we offer that to you. And God, we ask for you to move in that little space. Jesus, I pray for all of us this week as we go out and we interact with our friends and our family and our coworkers. And Lord, for some of us who take a step of faith and take a step to even invite them to church and and tell them, hey, you need to check out our church. As we have that conversation, Jesus, I pray that you would give us boldness and the ability to have those conversations, to go out and use our little, Lord, to change the realities of those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.